Welcome to the Different Functional Podcast. In this episode, in recognition of the new year, we are going to be talking all about changes, those New Year's resolutions, and whether or not it's even a good idea to make those kinds of changes right now or not. I am Autumn, the older sister, and my fact of the day is that I actually do not make New Year's resolutions because it doesn't make sense with my off-grid lifestyle. The new year, as I've said before, falls right in the middle of winter. Everything is frozen outside. I can't see the ground. Things are rattling off of my car. I am sick. All of these things do not encourage me to want to make changes. They encourage me to want to survive until I can find energy later. So I typically make my changes or my New Year's resolutions, if you want to call them that, during the spring when something actually changes outside of me and I feel like I have enough energy to do something with life besides continue breathing. See, that makes a lot more sense to me as well. The Gregorian calendar New Year never made any sense at all. It's literally right in the middle of winter. I I kind of like the idea of basing the year on seasonal changes and right at the beginning of spring makes more sense to me. Like for me, I think of the spring equinox as being more the new year. Regardless, doesn't really matter as far as resolutions go because I never make new year's resolutions no matter what time of year it is. I am Ivy, the younger sister. And the reason why I don't make new year's resolutions is because I am a very change driven person and I am constantly making changes throughout the year anyway. So it would be real hard for me to schedule a change And part of the reason it's hard for me to schedule a change is because I make most of my changes on a whim. Even the real big decisions, regardless of the time of year, there is no calendar. There's no timetable. There's no anything. I'm just very random. But I think that's a good idea. You need to make sure that changes are right for you when they're right for you. I do make a lot of changes around that spring equinox when things start melting outside. But I also make them when it makes sense to change. (laughs) When it makes sense for us to change isn't always January 1st or January at all. Maybe it's March 17th. Maybe it's December 14th. Who knows? Maybe it has nothing to do with the calendar whatsoever. And we just need to make changes when it feels right. But regardless of that, there is a lot of pressure around the new year to change that whole idea of new year, new you. And as you may have noticed when you clicked on this episode, that's not the title. Our title is new year, same you. Because in our mind, you're still the same you. You can make changes. Ivy and I have made, I don't know if we can even quantify it, millions, billions of huge and tiny changes throughout our lives. But we're still the same people. You may change your behavior, you may change your actions, your personality may grow and change over time, but ultimately you are still the same you. And that new year pressure to be somebody different, I think that's really unhealthy. If you want to make changes this time of year and it makes sense, that's awesome because it works for you. But just falling into that pressure that because that calendar has ticked over, you now need to be this new person. I don't know that that's necessarily healthy. I do think too that with the new year uh, on a more cultural level and i don't know if it's like this outside of the u.s but i know here in the u.s there's kind of this false idea that everything is different at the beginning of every new year it's not just a pressure for you to change it's just like suddenly everything will be different because we've now clicked over a day into january 1st and this will be a different year everything will be different and that's a false idea i mean yeah things do change but a lot of stuff stays the same too and it's not always necessary for 
everything to change anyway. That is very, very true. And I find that actually really funny because as a kid, I was a very literal kid. I'm a very literal adult even. But I remember it was going to be a new year and I was so super excited and I was bugging my mom and I was like, mom, it's going to be a new year. What's going to be the new color? Because everybody in the school that I had gone to class with, the, the big color of the year was neon pink. And so the new year was coming and there was going to be a new color and there was going to be a new hairstyle and there was going to be a new cool this and there was going to be a new cool that. And I had literally bought into this idea that society had been telling us that everything would be new. I thought literally that at the beginning of the year, there was like a little pamphlet that got handed out that I was finally going to be old enough that would tell you what the new color of the year was and what the new best candy of the year was and what the new everything of the year was. And I was super disappointed that that's not what had happened. But that is the very literal message you get that, hey, it's a new year. Everything's going to be new. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe I just haven't been getting the pamphlet, <laughs> but I don't think that's what happened. No, I don't think that's what happens either. Although, I mean, that does tie in well to the last episode that we put out about finding hope in the darkness, because on some level, culturally, there is that desire almost to believe that everything is going to be new, because this is a time of year where whether you're neurodivergent or neurotypical, people tend to struggle because it's right after the holidays. Everything does seem kind of drab and dreary and spring is still a ways away. So there's this uh, collective desire desire for something to be new, for something to be different, for everything to be better somehow. So I think there is some some wishful thinking on a social level and we tend to absorb that into ourselves as well because winter is hard for a lot of people. For the people that do set New Year's resolutions because it is a way for you to kind of pull yourself out of that funk that most of us tend to fall into in winter, that's great. Maybe the New Year's resolution thing works for you. I do think though that there are some pressures that get put on us pretty heavily that are probably not the best for us. And one of the ones that we really get marketed a lot is the pressure to make changes to your body. And I, I did want to put a little bit of focus on this one just because there is a lot of marketing. We get a lot of messages right after the holidays about go get a gym membership and take this detox and go on this fad diet because you want to lose those extra pounds so you can have a hot summer body. If you want to get a little bit healthier at the beginning of the year, if you do want to kind of cleanse your system out a little bit of all the extra goodies that you had over the holidays, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We talked about that in our last episode, how that can kind of help reset you and get your body in a good space. But this idea that we have to lose a ton of weight and we have to get super skinny and we have to get ripped, that's a little excessive. We don't need to make those changes and we especially don't need to make them right in the middle of winter just because it's a new year and just because we're getting those ideas marketed to us all the time. It does play on our insecurities. There are companies trying to make money off of that and it's been effective. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it every year. That doesn't mean it's the best thing for you to be trying to drop 20 pounds in the month of January. That's not very realistic and it's probably not real good for you to do it that fast. And again, this is part of why I say it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I do live an off-grid lifestyle. I have a wood heater, which means when I go to bed, the fire's not getting fed, so it gets cold in here. One of the highs next week where I live is going to be negative four. I don't want to lose weight right now. <laughs> I want to keep the extra weight on. I want to pack a little more extra weight on so that my internal organs do not freeze. So that when I wake up in the morning and I see my breath, at least some part of me is still warm because the fat is keeping it warm. I will wait until it is nice and hot outside and I will sweat this off 
because I have no air conditioning. So yeah, I'm not going to be making those significant changes to my body right now, especially like I said earlier, I'm sick. I don't want to make any diet changes. I want to be able to breathe again. That's what I'm looking forward to right now. Not losing weight or getting ripped for the summer that is so far away right now. Another thing that really gets marketed toward us with the changes of the new year is that idea that you did take a break and now you need to get back into it. Like you have to pay penance for the rest that you had over the holiday seasons for taking time off or being allowed time off. And now you need to get back in it and you need to get your business goals ready and you need to get your vision board and your million dollar plan and your success is completely tied into your productivity. Culture is normally very, very big about well, you know, you really should change your body and you should be skinny and tiny. And culture is really, really big about, well, you should really be productive and invest all of your time into hustle so you can be a millionaire. And I think January is just a great trigger time for those marketing ads to step up again and say, see, now's a great time. It's a new year. You could be a new you. You could be productive and skinny and beautiful and a millionaire on a yacht. And if y'all have come up with resolutions that will allow me to be a beautiful, skinny millionaire on a yacht within a month, Please share those with me. But after 40 years, I've not yet discovered those kinds of resolutions. And so I don't really appreciate the kind of marketing that we get out there because, yes, it can provide a little bit of hope. But the bigger thing for me, and maybe this is just me because I'm a very, very negative person, is that it's a false hope. And so we end up buying into this idea that if we can make these changes, it'll be a new me and I'll be a different person. And it doesn't happen because maybe those changes weren't right for you right now or you didn't have the resources to make those changes right now and then you start losing hope again and so it's mid-January it's February spring is still a bit of a ways away and culture sold you all these fairy tales that just aren't true and now you're left feeling depressed and wrung out again and that sucks because you used up your hope and your motivation for changes you weren't ready to make. Another issue that can come up with that hustle culture that I've noticed is that it's not just that your success is dependent on productivity. It's almost plugged as though your worth as a person is dependent on your productivity and is dependent on what you can accomplish and over what period of time you can accomplish it. And there's not a whole lot of room for balance in that because a lot of hustle culture is put towards financial goals or career goals. And so that doesn't leave you in a great space when it comes to having more balance in your life, goals that are associated with maybe your health or your relationships with the people that you love. Hustle culture is very focused on a particular type of goal that is very financial and career oriented. And if you aren't successful at that and you don't make those goals happen, then that somehow reflects poorly on your worth as a person. And that is problematic. One of the other issues that comes with all this idea of forced change at the beginning of the year, the new year and the new you theme, is that it continues to perpetuate this narrative that we have 100% control over the changes that we make. So I have complete control over whether or not I lose 10 or 20 pounds or have a six-pack ab. I have complete control over whether or not I end up a millionaire by the end of 2023. I have complete control over everything that happens in my life. And that's not always true. This pressure to change at this time of year can be extremely detrimental for those of us that would like to change, for those of us that do not fit in with society, but do not necessarily have the capability to change or maybe the resources to change. Some of us losing 10 pounds isn't easy. 
It's not a mere diet change and a gym membership. It is an extreme amount of effort and a complete lifestyle rework. And I know I feel this because I do have a lot of insecurities, which is what the marketing world plays on. And I do sometimes wish that I could be a little different, that I could make this change or have this resolution, alter this habit. And suddenly I was more successful in the world and I could make more money. And I suddenly had these resources available to me that would allow me to do that. Some of the changes that I would need to make would completely alter who I am. They would take every emotional resource I had and more that I don't even am capable of in order to make them. And so sometimes this pressure to change is also detrimental to us because we can't change. We don't have the resources available. Our brains are completely wired differently. And it's just not possible to make these changes without significant effort or perhaps at all. It leaves us feeling so much worse because the message we're getting, well, then it's our fault. It's our failure. I'm completely 100% the reason that I am not successful. There is no other reason besides my failure to change that has left me as a failure. And that's not a good message to receive, especially in the dead of winter, especially if you're struggling with depression, especially if you're struggling with that after holiday hangover. That's not a message you need, that you're a failure because you can't make this change because that's bullshit. It is. And it's also really detrimental to people who are dealing with chronic chronic illness or significant injuries where they are physically incapacitated in some way, shape or form as well. There are also a lot of people out there who have real physical limitations that prevent them from doing a lot of the things that, yeah, they would love to do. And that pressure to change at the beginning of the year and seeing everybody else making these changes or trying to make these changes, knowing that they are not in a space now and possibly not ever where they're going to be able to do those things. That's really rough as well. There are also some things in your life that you can't change because it's not you. No matter how many changes we're trying to make in ourselves, whatever it is that we're striving towards, we can't change other people. Other people have to decide for themselves whether or not they want to change. We can set the example. We can try to encourage changes in other people. We can try to make the world a better place. And all of those things are great. But at the end of the day, we can't force anybody else and that can be kind of a hard pill to swallow as well when you're all gung-ho and motivated to make all of these big important changes in your life and be a better healthier more balanced person well unfortunately not everybody's going to be on that same page some people are just not ready to make those changes and there's unfortunately nothing you can really do about that on the other side of that coin too though which sometimes feels a little unfair is sometimes we are forced to change even when we don't want to though because the universe and life does set things up and sometimes we end up having to make changes we didn't want to make and that can feel really really unfair for a lot of us we make changes we don't want to because we need to survive or we need to maintain balance or we need to keep a relationship and yes the other person isn't necessarily making us change but we do feel like our options are limited if I want to be in this relationship then I can no longer do x or if I want to get that promotion at work or get that raise at work I have to be this different person and it's not something I want to do, but it's something that I have to do. And I think that gets overlooked a lot at this time of year is the idea of like all of these changes. One, they're all under our control, obviously, if you listen to the marketing, but that they're all something we want. And a lot of times change isn't necessarily something we want. It's, as a person that enjoys her ruts, I often don't like change, even when it's positive. I fight it. I know I shouldn't. And I know there are a lot of people out there like me, though, that it's uncomfortable and it's new and it's unknown 
own and it's better the rot I know than the potential beautiful meadow of flowers that I have no idea if they're poisonous or not. It's, it's really hard to make those changes, but sometimes we have to. We're not left any other options. We don't necessarily want to live in our car, but we don't have the cash to keep paying rent. And so now we're homeless and that's how it goes. And that was a change that wasn't under our control. And I think that is very, very scary for a lot of us too, are those changes that aren't under our control, where we feel like things are happening to us and we don't have a choice in the matter and change gets forced on us. I think that's really frightening as well. Yeah, that is. It's very frightening. It's terrifying because as humans, we want to feel as though we do have control, that we do have power over our circumstances. So to be confronted with the fact that sometimes we just don't, it, that puts us in a really vulnerable space and it's deeply uncomfortable. It can be incredibly painful and very frightening. And there's so many types of changes that we may not have any control over at all. You know, maybe we're in a relationship and our partner decides they don't want to be with us anymore. So sometimes those breakups are out of our control. Being laid off from work, that happens to a lot of people. And it's been happening to a lot of people right now just because of the state of the economy and everything that's going on. Experiencing a significant loss of any kind or experiencing a death of somebody that we're really close to. Having some sort of significant injury or illness that really limits our abilities. Going through a sudden trauma. Some of these changes too, maybe we did kind of have a choice at one point and now we're suffering the consequences of those choices and those consequences have snowballed so much that they're out of our control. There's a lot of changes that do get completely forced on us that are outside of our control and there's just also a lot of times that even when we go into things with the best of intentions, we make mistakes and then those things snowball and then now we're being forced to experience changes that are outside of our control. And whether you want the change or not, I think it's also important to recognize that a lot of times change comes with grief because change often does mean loss of something. So, you know, we talked about those things we can't change and you would think, OK, so now I don't have the grief because I never had the change necessarily because just because we can't change doesn't mean we didn't want to it doesn't mean we didn't have an ideal of what we wanted that we now have to give up on because we can't achieve that ideal we lose the idea of potential or possibility of the what if what could my life have been like if i could have made this change if i was this person or for those of us that are trying to survive in a society that isn't all that friendly to us, we lose that respect or acceptance or that success or whatever it happens to be because we can't make those changes. And the same way, if we do have to make those changes, those forced changes, sometimes you are dealing with an actual loss, that breakup, that layoff, that death, that is an actual real grief. And you're also dealing with the loss of an ideal. I thought I was going to marry this person and we were going to live happily ever after and that disappears. And we we feel that loss of control and we lose that idea of who we thought we were a lot of times too because we get confronted with this new reality of who we are now compared with who we wanted to be but there's a lot of grief that gets associated with change that we don't really recognize a lot that loss of the idea of who we once were that's one that i've experienced a lot over the course of my life because i am a very change driven person and I have made tons of small changes, but I've also made a lot of very big drastic changes. And when I was little, I had all these ideas of what my life was going to be like and who I was going to be, what I was going to accomplish. Nothing that I had planned 
actually went the way that I expected it to. And even though I'm not unhappy with the way that my life is turning out, it's actually going in a better direction than maybe could have been expected by people watching me from the outside. But I do sometimes have those moments where I grieve the fact that I am not who I thought I was going to become. And I think that also ties into one of the other things that we can grieve when it comes to change is that even when you want to make certain changes, and this is another one I've really struggled with, you make a change and that's awesome and it's great and it puts you on this path and you're moving forward, but there's always this little part of you that is sad that maybe you had to choose just one path because man, there have been so many things that I have wanted to do so many things that I have wanted to be. And even if I was able to go without sleep and I was able to have all of the money and resources available to do as much as possible, man, life is so short. There just would not be enough time to do everything. And every time you make a change, it has that butterfly effect. It ripples out and you can't go back and try a different path to see how things would have gone. Like there's always this sense of loss that I still have even when I do make changes that I'm happy with because there's all of these things that could have been that I'll never get to explore because I can't go back in time and try something else or because there's just not enough time in a lifetime to do it all. And none of this is to say that change is a bad thing because the reality is, is change is part of life. If you don't change, you stagnate. And yes, I do love my ruts, but when you really press me, I don't want to live in this rut. I don't want to live in this muddy little rut that smells like rot. I, I would like to have a better life. And so I'm constantly making changes and experiencing changes that do alter my life in good ways and bad ways. And I think that's an important thing to remember is that change is it's multifaceted. Change is very complicated. And I think the grief that comes with change is very complicated as well. But like I said, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Change just is. Whether we plan it or not, whether the new year has happened or not, change just happens. It's part of growth and existence. And it's not really fair or unfair. It just is. It's kind of one of those Zen things. It's not bad. It's not good. It just is it's us and our perceptions that are constantly labeling it based on how it's affecting us our perceptions aside change just happens it's part of being alive one of the biggest reasons why i believe i have become so change driven in my life is because as a child i had a ton of forced changes upon me things that were completely outside of my control because often as children especially children in dysfunctional and abusive households we don't have control over pretty much anything and so because of that I learned very young that change is inevitable. It's going to happen whether you want it to or not. And a lot of times things are outside of your control. So I started working with change instead of fighting against it. To me, that's how you conquer the this big, scary monster. I'll make changes of my own accord so that that way when the force changes happen, they're not quite so scary to me. It's going to happen one way or the other. Instead of fighting it, Let's try to work with whatever I have at my disposal. And honestly, sometimes what seems like a horrible change can actually be a huge blessing in disguise. Way back in the day, like 12 years ago now, when the housing crisis happened and people were losing their jobs left and right and everything was just haywire and wonky, the company that I was working for went under overnight. There was embezzlement and all of these larger issues that had been going on. And we showed up for work three days before Christmas 
and the doors were locked. There was no warning. Our last paycheck bounced. We were just left in the lurch. And that was terrifying to me because I didn't have any money in savings. I was in my early 20s. I did not really understand much about financial responsibility and planning and saving. And I was still trying to figure out how to just life an adult. And so when the trucking company that I worked for closed, that is one of the most terrifying moments I have had in my adult life but it ended up being a huge blessing to me because honestly, I hated that job. It was a corporate job, it did not suit me well, but I kept working there because I was like, oh, I gotta have money, I gotta survive. When that company closed, because of the circumstances under which it did close, not only was I able to get unemployment benefits, I was also able to get additional grants and benefits because of the sudden closure of the company that allowed me to go back to school with less debt and I was able to get my degree in massage therapy, which is a field that is so much better suited to me on so many levels that has been very fulfilling. And I've now been doing that for 10 years. And that's been a huge improvement in my life. But what prompted that change was one of the most terrifying things that's ever happened in my adult life. Sometimes those big changes that get forced on you are actually a huge blessing in disguise. Ivy ended up reacting to our childhood by embracing change. And she's always been one where you just flip the switch. She went from eating bloody steak to being a vegan pretty much, I think literally overnight to give you an idea of the kind of change she is. And I reacted by trying to dig my heels in and I didn't want anything to change. I wanted everything to be the same. And that does not work. (laughs) I will tell you that right now. If you're like me, it doesn't work because change is necessary. And like Ivy said, even those things that you think are going to be horrible horrible for you that are going to be life-altering, changing disasters sometimes end up being life-altering blessings instead of disasters. But that's part of what growing is. You're learning to navigate the change because change is always going to happen. Eventually, we get to a point that we learn that like, okay, change is going to happen. Now, how do I navigate? How do I drive? Instead of just being a passenger, how can I learn to operate the vehicle that is my life so that, yes, things are still going to happen outside the vehicle that are outside of my control, but I now have some navigational talent to go where I want to go, to avoid some of these car accidents, to ease into that slide instead of roll over into the ditch. So let's now then start talking about how to make changes, because we're not saying that change is a bad thing at all. Ivy and I don't necessarily make changes at the new year because it doesn't make sense for us to make change at the new year. But for a lot of people, it does. And at some point, for all of us, it's going to make sense to make change. So let's talk about making those changes. One of the first things there is choosing that best time to make change. Like we said, New Year's isn't always ideal. There's a lot of pressure to change for the sake of change, but that social timetable doesn't always make sense. You really need to go with the flow of your life. And that's something that's going to be extremely personal to you. For me, I do live off grid. And so the nature cycles are a really big deal to me, the temperature and the weather and what's going on outside. But for those of you that live in the city, It may not make a difference. Or maybe if you live somewhere temperate where summer and winter look fairly similar, seasons may not matter at all. It's something you've got to figure out. If you have kids, for example, you may need to wait until the change of a school year so you're not disrupting their life to a greater degree. Or if you rent an apartment, you may have to wait until the end of your lease to make different changes. We all have various life events. We all have various ebbs and flows in our cycles to really analyze that ebb and flow and to look at it and say, okay, when is this change going to 
best be? When is it going to work out the best? Now, we don't always have that option. Sometimes change just happens or we need to make it right now. But if you can wait and make that change when that time is ideal, when things are ripe for it, it's going to be so much easier. You do have to follow the flow of your own life and sometimes the flow of the people around you as well. So I'm in a space where I am gung-ho and wanting to move out of Washington and go someplace else and buy property and put down roots and do all of those things. Not in a position to do that right now. There's some stuff that is going on with Calvin that we have to wait until that stuff gets figured out so that we can figure out exactly where we're going and how we're going to do that logistically. In the past, if I decided I was going to up and leave and move someplace, that's what I did. When I decided I was going to move to Seattle, that's what I did. I just woke up one day and decided that's what I was going to do. And I just did everything I needed to do to make that happen. Now it's not quite the same thing. Now I'm in a space where I kind of have to wait. I have to be patient. I want to make these changes right away, but that's not feasible right now because now I'm in a committed relationship and I'm building a life with this person. And so their timetable also affects my timetable. And so that is also another consideration that you sometimes have to make when it comes to making those changes in your own life as far as figuring out the timing. This kind of goes into when other people do start changing, that doesn't mean that you have to follow their timetable necessarily. Yes, I'm waiting on some things with Calvin so that we can move out of state, but there's other ways that he's changing that I'm not because I don't need to and it doesn't really affect me that he's changing and vice versa. I've been really involved in one-on-one -on -one therapy. That's not where he's at right now. That's not a change that he wants to make at this point in his life or that he feels is necessary for him, but for me it is. I'm also making tons of changes to my fitness and my gym routines and dietary changes and things like that, but just because I'm doing those things doesn't mean he has to. And whatever changes he's deciding to make, that doesn't mean I have to do those things either. Doesn't mean I have to make the same changes as my friends either. Even if they want my company doing those things because they don't want to have to do things alone, I still have a choice. I don't have to do those activities that they're wanting to. Maybe they want to take up dancing and they want to go to dance classes and they don't want to go alone. And I'm like, I totally get that, but I'm not interested in taking dance classes. So you'll have to find somebody else. That's okay. You don't have to make changes just because other people around you are making changes and you don't have to make the same changes as the people around you either. That's probably one of the biggest reasons that there are so many New Year's resolutions set up, even for people that they don't really work for, is not necessarily culture and media at large. It is those friends and those families and that closer pressure to home that like, oh, we're all making changes. You should, too. And it doesn't necessarily work that way, like Ivy said. It's okay for you to make changes when you need to make changes. And yes, you may have to make compromises to balance so that you can maintain your relationships. But again, that's something that's personal for you that you're going to have to decide how much are you willing to compromise on how much you're willing to change or not change in order to keep that relationship. Now, none of this is to say, though that you can't change for someone else. There are a lot of people out there that find change and making new habits extremely difficult to do. And they don't have a lot of internal motivation to do things, even though they know it's good for their lives. And so a lot of them do ride that wave. So that New Year's resolution comes on and they jump on that board because it helps motivate them. And that's okay too. If you need to ride the wave of somebody else's motivation to make a change that's going to help benefit your life, that's okay. 
like we said, change is personal. So it's something that you're going to have to decide. And you know your life and you know the scenarios and your relationships around you. So you're going to have to figure out when that change is right as far as time. You also need to be psychologically ready for the change. And now I will say with this one caveat, though, is one of the things I've done most of my life is I've waited to be 100% ready for change. I wanted all of the plans to be perfect. I wanted there to be no risk. Everything was going to be completely safe. And most of the time, that's not how change works. You're probably never going to be 100% ready for a change in your life, whether it's a tiny little change in a habit or a gigantic move across country, whatever it happens to be, you may never be 100% ready, but you still want to be somewhere ready. You still want to be somewhat psychologically prepared to have this happen. Because if you're only 2% or 0% or 5% ready for this change, and you're like, well, the time is right, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. But you're not really psychologically on board yet. You don't have the actual internal motivation or the ability to make this change yet. You're going to fall flat on your face. Am I ready for that change? Do I have the capability to make that change? And do I have the available resources to make that change? Because that's something else that's vital. That's something even Ivy has had to respect in the past when she's like, I want to move to Seattle. She didn't just desert everything and hitchhike to Seattle. She took her time. She moved in with a friend. She did crash savings and she saved up money so that she could move safely. She may have been psychologically ready. It may have been a great time in her life to move, but yet she didn't have the resources available. And so she didn't. And those are all factors that you have to consider. When is the right time? Am I psychologically ready? And am I actually logistically prepared for this change yet? Another consideration on that note to make as well is learning from past changes that you've made. Ideally, in an ideal world where you have the choice of timing and you can gather your resources and mentally ready yourself. You also want to look to past changes that at least had a similar vibe because yes, when I moved to Washington, I did take some time. I took about nine months or something like that to get my shit together and switch over my license and save up some money and all of that. And then I got here and I realized, oh, it's way more expensive here than it was in Oklahoma. And I probably should have considered that more. And yes, I saved up money for the move, but I did not save up enough for a cushion for after I got here. And then I went into credit card debt that took me a few years to crawl out of. So even though psychologically I'm real ready to make this next move, but... I am also a little more worldly wise this next time around and I recognize just how expensive a move is and I'm paying more attention to what the cost of living is in the areas that we're thinking about moving to so that I can financially better prepare so I won't be as stressed out or have to go into as much credit card debt when we get to wherever it is that we're going to end up in. Yes, try to mentally prepare yourself as much as possible. Figure out the right timing. Try to gather your resources, but also look to past changes. And that's not just about making sure that you do this next big change wiser than the last time. There's also something to be said for looking at past changes that we've made to help us feel more ready to make those changes going forward. Because change, especially big changes, are 
terrifying sometimes. And we can really begin to doubt ourselves and doubt our ability to make those changes. But if we can look to the past and say, okay, this wasn't the exact same change, but it was pretty close. Or it wasn't the exact same change, but man, that was an even bigger change. And I made it through that. And I learned something from it. And I'm wiser now and I'm stronger now and I'm more equipped now. That can really help us moving forward into the next chapter of our lives and making those changes is to remember how far we've come to get to where we are right now. I will say on all of this too, until you make a huge drastic change, you're not going to know honestly whether or not you're really prepared for it. Because sometimes you think the time is right. You think you've got the resources. You think you know what you're doing and you make this drastic change. You jump off that cliff and it doesn't work. And you have to roll with it and you sort it out and you figure it out. Like Ivy said, you learn from it. But sometimes that's how change goes. You do everything you can. You prepare everything you can and you get to the edge of that cliff and you look and there is that void and you don't know whether you're ready for it or not. And there is a point at which you have to decide, am I going to jump or am I going to not jump? And that's a decision that you have to make. And it's perfectly okay if you get to the edge of that cliff, that huge change you were going to make and you say, I can't do this. I can't do this right now. I can't do this ever. And it's okay to change your mind about it and to step back. And it's also okay to step off into that blindness and hope for the best and roll with it when you go. Because one of the wonderful things about taking that leap of faith is that when you take it, whether it works or whether it doesn't, you get a little bit more faith in yourself. Because if it works, you're like, yes, I trusted my intuition. I did everything that was right. I was prepared. So you believe in yourself or which has happened to me on a few occasions, you take that leap of faith and you fall on your face and you're like, well, that did not fucking work at all. But life doesn't end there. You get up bruised and battered and then you keep moving forward. And so then when you get to that cliff again, you say, OK, I don't know if I'm going to make it this time because I fell flat on my face last time. But at least you have faith that if it happens again, well, you're going to keep moving forward because you did last time. <laughs> Now that we have talked about that idea of figuring out timing for making changes, let's also think about at a very basic level, deciding if we need to make changes or want to make changes. What are some of the reasons for making changes? There's societal pressures. And sometimes whether we like it or not, we still have to give into those societal pressures. Some of them we can say fuck off to and others we kind of have to give into if we want to continue existing in society. There's familial obligations. Again, some of those you can say no to, and some of those you kind of have to take care of because you've got kids and you're responsible for them, or you're a caregiver to a sick family member, or you can't make all of the decisions in your marriage because your partner is also a person as well. There's also the idea of either moving away from something or moving towards something. When you're moving away from something, you're trying to reduce the negativity in your life. You're trying to have less of the things that stress you out or make you anxious or are toxic forces in your life. Or you're moving towards something. You're working towards a goal. You're trying to bring more positivity and more hope and more success and happiness and contentment and love into your life. And then there's changing just to change change for the sake of change. And again, that's a mixed bag. All of these things are a mixed bag because change for the sake of change can be great and it can keep you on your toes and it can keep you prepared for changes that maybe you don't have control over. But there's also consequences and risks to those potential changes for the sake of change, like moving cross country without a safety net and not having saved enough money to live in a super expensive place. Just saying there's definitely consequences. 
there's no right or wrong reason really to change. These are all things you have to decide. You know, if societal pressure or those family obligations are encouraging you to make this change and you're deciding to change some aspect of yourself so that you can maintain these family relationships or that you can succeed in society, that's not wrong. If that's a priority to you, then that's a valid good reason to change. It's just important though to reflect to make sure that it is a priority to you. Because if this aunt of yours is super judgmental about your career choice and you're deciding that you're going to make me choose another job because she just won't let up harping on you and you actually stop and look at it and you're like you know what I don't even fucking like this aunt nobody in the family like this aunt why the hell am I listening to this woman go on and on about my career change and maybe you decide you know what I like my fucking career nobody likes this aunt we're done I'm still going to do what I'm going to do and that's why it's important to examine it to make sure that this is really a change you want so you know that driving force behind it My entire life, as I've said in my blogs and I've said in this podcast before, I have run away from things. I never run toward anything. I am always running away from fear and anxiety. And every improvement I make in my life is to lessen the potential disaster and fear. I am now finally at a point in my life that I am trying to move towards. But after 40 years of running away, whenever I feel like, okay, I need to make a change, I have to really stop Why am I making this change? Well, I'm making this change because I don't want to end up homeless. Okay, that's not enough anymore. I'm done with just surviving. I'm trying to live now. And so if I want to make this change, there needs to be a valid reason for me to move towards something. I don't need to just be running away from homelessness now. I need to be running towards stability. I need to be moving towards safety. I need to make sure that the direction I'm going is actually getting me to where I want to get. Previously in my life, running away was enough. It kept me alive. It kept me surviving. And that was good enough. So all those times I made a change just out of fear. That was perfectly acceptable because that's where I was at in my life. But now that I've grown some and now that I actually have dreams that I want to achieve, running away isn't a good enough reason for me anymore. I now need to be running towards something. And that's just something to consider when you feel that impulse to change or that desire to change, that urge to change. Ask yourself why. Why do I need to change? What is the reason for this? And if it is, like Ivy said, the change just for the sake of change, is it going to be worth it for you? But it's really important to explore those reasons deeper and really dig into those motivations and start questioning those motives. So are you making changes because you want to? or because someone is pressuring you, or because you convinced you have to change to be worthy. Because let's say you are making that change because that family member. Why is it important for you to make that change then? Is it because you really want that family member to accept you? Is it because if you don't make this change, you won't have a place in the family anymore? Is it because you want the conflict to go away? Is it because that person makes you feel like you're not going to be worthy unless you make that change? You want to deep dive into that motivation. Now, this isn't as important for like little tiny habits or minor life changes, but if you're talking a major life change, a career change, a move across country, leaving a relationship, entering a relationship, something big and significant, you want to deep dive into that motivation and say, okay, why do I feel this compulsion? Because sometimes we end up making changes we don't need to make, or we probably shouldn't have made for our own psychological health because we felt pressured and we didn't take that time. And now we're in a crappier situation than we were before. So deep dive into those motivations behind that change. Another reason why people will often make changes is because they are wanting to be quote unquote successful. 
one of the things you really want to think about when you're questioning your motives is what does successful even look like to you? And I'm going to go back to one of the pressures that we talked about earlier in the episode, which is kind of that hustle culture. When I first opened my business, I really delved deep into hustle culture because I had it in my mind that that's what you do when you're starting your own business. So I read a lot of books just these like startup books and how to be financially successful and all of this stuff. And I was really gung-ho about it and I was reading it and I was like, man, this is a lot of work. When are you supposed to sleep? When are you supposed to spend time with your family? When are you supposed to take care of your health when you're doing all of this work constantly? Because one of those things that I noticed was literally spending almost every single second of the day on work. And the more that I was looking at it, the more I, I started noticing, huh, all of these books that I'm reading are written by middle-aged white men that are in the upper class. Do I want to emulate a middle-aged white man in the upper class? And then I started noticing the men in my environment who were middle-aged white men in the upper class. And one of the things that I noticed was, yes, they are very successful in their business. They're very successful in their career. They do have a lot of money. They don't generally have the best relationships with their spouses. They've been married multiple times. They have kids from multiple marriages. Most of those kids don't really seem like they spend much time with them. Also, these guys do not have generally great health because they don't have time to sleep or eat healthy or take care of their fitness. And so as time went on, the more I was looking at it, the more I realized I don't think I want to be that version of successful because the things that they are prioritizing, while that is working for them in the ways that they're wanting that fits with their value system, I apparently do not have the same value system as a middle-aged successful white man. Imagine that. So I have largely moved away from hustle culture. Yes, there are some co components in it that are true. Yeah, if you want your goals to succeed, you do have to put in effort. You do have to work at it. But I don't want to pour every single moment of every single day into my financial success or into my career because that's not what I value. I value balance. Do I want to be successful in my business? Of course I do. Do I need to be a multimillionaire? No, not really. I'm not interested in that. What I am interested in is having a loving relationship with my partner, is having time to spend with my friends and loved ones, is having the time to get a healthy amount of sleep for myself, to be able to watch my diet so that I can keep with my food restrictions so that my mental health is good. I want to have time to go to the gym so that I can take care of my body so that I can work for longer and still be able to move when I'm older. I want more balance in my life. So I've largely moved away from hustle culture because when I really looked at it, what was motivating those people who were successful in hustle culture and are promoting it so much, their values did not match my own. When we're thinking of success, we really need to define for ourselves what success means to us, what that looks like, and whether we're actually looking to role models and we're looking to resources that will help us to have our version of what success looks like. We're not just saying, okay, well, what does society say success looks like? What does my family say success looks like? No, what do I think it looks like? And how do I want to bring that into my life and what's actually going to foster that in my life? Another reason that we make changes, especially big ones in our life, is because we simply do not like where we are right now or who we are. 
right now. A lot of us are uncomfortable or we're in pain or we dislike certain things about ourselves. And so we want to make changes to make our life different or to make ourselves different in hope that things will be better. With this idea in mind, it's really important to dive into this motivation to see if that dislike is actually yours. Like Ivy said, you can have a very different version of success than society does. And that goes into what your life looks like when it's successful. And that goes into what you look like when you are successful. And so it's very important to see, are these your ideals? If you're deciding that you need to go to the gym and start losing weight, are you doing that because you actually are concerned about your physical health or your appearance? Or are you doing it because you feel like you need to be accepted by others or it's the pressure to fit in? or your mother says that you need to lose some weight. It's really, really important when you're dissatisfied with who you are or where your life is to ensure that that dissatisfaction is yours. Most people would be very dissatisfied with my life. I do not have running water. I do not have electricity. I do not have heat unless I make a fire. This is not a very satisfactory or successful life by many people's standards. And so if I allow society's voice to come into my world, I would be very concerned about the way I live. I would feel like I was failing. But when I stop and I put that society voice away and I say, okay, but what do I want? What's important to me? Is the way I'm living, is the person I am meeting those goals? Are they meeting my my ideals, well, then my life is fucking perfect. For me, it may not be successful by other people's standards, but it is by my own. And so I don't want to make changes and it may not appear positive or happy or wonderful to other people. And that's okay. But if you're deciding, you know, I need to make this change because I'm not okay with who I am. I'm not okay with where I am. Is it you that's not okay with that? Or is it somebody else? Is it a family member? Is it a loved one? Is it a coworker? Is it society? Who is it that this message is coming from? Because if you're going to start making significant changes, is especially to who you are, you want to make sure those changes are driven by you and what you want. And it's okay, though, if you don't like yourself or you don't like where you're at, that's perfectly fine. You need to make sure those changes are because you actually dislike yourself or where you're at, not because somebody else is saying you should dislike where you are. You should dislike where you're at. Because sometimes what needs to change isn't your life. It isn't who you are. It's your perception. It's the boundaries you hold with other people. It's the relationships you have. I do want to note on that. I have made a lot of changes in my life because I disliked myself. One of the things that does kind of drive me a little bit crazy about this idea that's so prevalent right now that like, oh, you should love yourself completely as you are and you don't need to make any changes. You're wonderful as you are and don't feel like you have to change a thing. Sometimes you're an asshole and you actually do need to make some changes. There have been multiple things in my life that I have changed in terms of my character and how I behaved and how I carried myself. Because when I looked at the impact that I was having either on my own life or that I was having on people that I cared about, I recognized that I was being very toxic and I was doing a lot of damage because of things that I was holding on to, grudges I was holding on to, or bad habits that I was holding on to, or me refusing to deal with things internally that I needed to deal with. Those are things that legitimately I had good reason to dislike about myself. They were not awesome things about my personality. They were very toxic, damaging, hurtful things about who I had become. Now, granted, 
a lot of those things came from coping mechanisms I developed to help me get through a traumatic and abusive childhood. But just because we develop those coping mechanisms does not mean that they will always be the best ones available to us. And sometimes you have to change the way you cope with things. You have to change your behaviors. You have to develop different skill sets because what you are doing has stopped protecting you and started doing damage to you and the other people around you. That being said, there have also been changes that I made to myself that in retrospect, I did not need to make, especially when it comes to my appearance and my sexual behavior and my sex life. There were a lot of changes that I made because society said, oh, you need to be really skinny. If you're a woman, the only way to be feminine and beautiful is to be skinny and to care a ton about your appearance and make that your whole world, make that your everything. If you want to keep your partner, you have to keep them sexually satisfied no matter what. And so I absorbed a lot of those things and I made a lot of changes that were damaging to me that I did not need to make and were actually not healthy for me. And what I should have done was look at how I was feeling about those things, look at why I was feeling so pressured to make those changes. And instead of making those changes themselves, I should have looked at myself and thought what we need to do is learn how to protect ourselves better and to love ourselves more and to be more accepting of ourselves and not feel like we have to make changes for other people. So there is a difference and you do need to consider your motivations there. There are some things that it is legitimately acceptable and probably good for you to dislike about yourself and try to change. And then there are other things that no, you don't need to change and you're fine as you are and you do need to change your perspective and learn to love and accept and protect yourself more. This is why deep diving into those motivations is really so vital, because when we do start making changes like this, if we don't examine those motivations, sometimes we end up making changes that don't actually help. And like I said, sometimes you just get stuck in that where you are running away and that is a way to survive. But I will really stress that when you're only running away from something, you're probably only ever going to survive. And that's an okay goal for part of your life. But I really encourage you at some point to try to thrive, to try to live. And once you actually are thriving and living, that involves running towards and having an idea of who you want to be and where you want to be. And it's also important to have a, a standard in a way for that change. Because if you decide, okay, I feel really physically unhealthy and I need to lose 10 pounds and you lose those 10 pounds, is that going to be enough? What happens when you lose that 10 pounds? You say, okay, I need to lose another and another and another. And all of a sudden you're not healthy anymore. You kept trying to use this change to make you feel better and it did, but then it became addictive or then it became unhealthy. You need to know when enough is enough as well. So if you say, I'm making this change because I feel physically unhealthy and you lose that 10 pounds and you can reality check and say, you know what, this is within a healthy weight for me and I still don't feel healthy. Maybe the problem isn't the weight. Maybe then you can re-examine it and say, okay, I lost the 10 pounds. That didn't help. What else can I do? Maybe it's increasing my cardio. Maybe it's my psychological health that's damaging. Maybe I have an underlying illness that I haven't addressed. You really need to set that standard and deep dive into that motivation so that you can make those changes that are actually going to help you. And then when you do make changes and they don't help, you know not to keep beating your head against the wall because that didn't get you closer to where you wanted to be. And when you're trying to figure out where 
where you want to be and just as equally important where you don't want to be, you also want to make sure that your information is current. A lot of us, we have a lot of time for self-reflection when we first start out on the growing journey. We think all about where we're from and the trauma we've been through and the person we want to be. And we have this bad habit then of just getting on this journey. And now we're just walking this path that we set out when we were 12 or 18 or 24. And we forget to check back in. And sometimes what you wanted when you were 13 or 22 is not what you want when you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. That information may have been accurate initially. At the beginning of your journey, this may have been who you wanted to be. And this may have been a wonderful ideal. And it was great that you moved towards it. But now that you've been moving towards it, that's not the person you are anymore. And those ideals aren't yours anymore. Maybe initially when you started out, you thought, you know, what I really want in life is I want a healthy, stable relationship. I want a loving family and I want those kids. And you started moving that way. But it's important to check in and say, okay, is this still what I want? Before you start having those kids with that loving husband of yours or that loving wife of yours, do you still want those kids? You wanted them when you were 18. You wanted them when you were fresh out of that trauma. But now that you've been out of that trauma for a decade, now that you've done this work, do you still want those children? Don't keep operating on those ideas that you developed when you were so young, that that's who you are going to be forever. Because if you are on this healing journey, you're also on a growing journey, which means you're changing and you're moving from that location you were at. And so who you are is changing. What you want is changing. The ideals of who you are and where you want to be are changing. So check in and make sure the information you have about what you want and where you don't want to be and where you do want to be is current. That being said, looking at those motivations that you've had over time, those goals that you've had over time can also help inform your decisions about what changes that you make going forward. Because yes, there will be a lot of things that will change about about you over time. When I was three, I wanted to be a horseback rider. I thought that was a job, just riding around on a horse. I've still never been on a horse, but at three years old, I thought that was going to be my career. At eight, I wanted to be a famous singer. At 12, I wanted to be a pediatrician. At 16, I wanted to be a psychologist. I've changed so much in terms of what I wanted to do for a career, but there are also things that have not changed at all. And I use those things to inform the decisions that I make about my goals moving forward. Because one thing that I have always wanted for as long as I could remember is my own love story. I wanted a forever partner. I wanted to be deeply in love with somebody who was deeply in love with me and have the romance and have this partnership and have that fairy tale ending. Is that completely realistic? No. But because that has always been a priority for me consistently, a lot of the changes that I've made over my life have been with that in mind. That, okay, if I actually want a good, lasting, healthy relationship, what sorts of things do I actually want to look for in a partner? What do I want to do with my life? And will that match up with the partner that I have? What am I going to do when compromises need to happen? I should probably learn better communication skills. I should probably learn good relationship skills. That desire to have a loving, healthy relationship with somebody who loves me just as deeply as I love them. That is one thing about my personality that has never fucking changed. I have always had that dream. And because of that, a lot of the changes that I've made over the course of my life have been in pursuit of that goal. So once you've really examined the reasons you're changing and you've deep dive into those motivations, you've made sure those motivations are still current for you. Now you need to decide what changes you're actually going to make. 
I believe that that process really starts with knowing what your priorities are. We talked a little bit about that in deciding those motivations. But before you start moving into that change, before you start saying, yes, this is definitely what I want, I really encourage you to actually sit down and look at what your priorities are in life. And if you need some help with that, on our products page, we'll have a priorities worksheet up there that just goes over a ton of common priorities and helps you decide what you want to invest your time in and what you are investing your time in. And if those are even the same thing or not, because if you don't know what your priorities are, you are going to make changes that aren't important to you. Once you know what your priorities are, then you can actually start to make the changes you need to make. And that's why it's important to examine your priorities, because a lot of times, like I said, the society around us encourages us to change who we are. But sometimes it's not us that needs to change. Sometimes our perspective needs to change or the situation needs to change or the relationship needs to change or the environment needs to change. This is why it's important, again, to examine those reasons and those motivations and to really dig deep into what your priorities are, because then you're going to know, okay, what actually needs to change in the situation? Is it me? Do I need to change a behavior? Do I need to change a thought process? Do I need to get into therapy? Do I need to lose weight? Or is it something about the environment or something external outside of you? So you're going to want to know then, do I need to make an internal change or an external change or a combination of both? Because knowing what your priorities are helps you know what your goals are. And that's vital when you're talking about big life changes. You need to know what you're actually trying to achieve. Even if all you're doing is running away from something, that is an achievement. You are getting away from homelessness. You are getting away from an abusive relationship. You are getting away from involvement with the law. Whatever it happens to be, you're still achieving something. You still have a goal, even if you're running away. And it's important to know what that goal is, but you can't know what the goal is unless you know what your priorities are. So you need to know your priorities and you need to know your goals so that you can actually make a change that's going to help you achieve what you want out of life. And then next, you need to know yourself. You need to be aware of your capabilities, your potential. You need to know what your limitations are because yeah, you may want to change but you may not have the resources accessible to you, or you may not be able to make the change as quickly as you would like to. So you really need to take a moment and really reflect and figure out, okay, knowing myself and my circumstances, what can I actually do right now? What things are likely to be obstacles or limitations for me? What is my potential here? What am I trying to achieve? How realistic is that? And what are my capabilities? What skill sets do I already have? And what skill sets maybe do I need to learn? While we're thinking here about knowing ourselves, our capabilities, and our limitations, we also need to be considering the environmental factors around us because while we can do a lot of changes on ourselves, we can't always change our circumstances or the people around us. So we do have to consider what things are going on in our environment that we may have to work around or that are just set in stone and there's nothing we can do about those things. Maybe you would love to move cross country, but you've got kids and they're in school and they're in a grade where it would be really detrimental to uproot them. So you put off that goal for the time being until your kids are in a space where they would be fine if you moved. You have to look at your relationships You're with your partner and you're wanting to make all of these changes and you really want to go into couples counseling and work on your relationship and they are not in it. Well, that's going to be a bit of an impediment for you. You can still make changes to yourself, but you can't force that other person to change. You can go into one-on-one -on -one therapy. You can work on your communication skills and your relationship skills and hope that that starts to bleed over into the relationship in positive ways, but you can't force that other person to change. 
the job that you're in. You may not have the option of going to a different job right now. Maybe you really need that stability. You need that stable work history and paycheck because you're trying to buy a house and you can't just uproot and move to a different job right now because it would make it more difficult for you in getting a loan. There's lots of environmental factors that you really wanna take into consideration when you're figuring out what changes to make and how you're gonna go about making those changes. It's part of why it's also important to just consider generally what path you're already on in life. Now, there are going to come times where you're on a path and you're like, this path is 100% wrong for me. It's not going to work. I need to take my machete and just carve something new. But a lot of times we can continue on the path that we're on, but just keep easing over and make minor changes to our perspective or the situation or our relationships or our boundaries or whatever and still get a big change in our life without having to invest that effort to machete carve a new path. When you're considering, you know, what are my capabilities and what environmental factors do I have to consider? Also consider where have you been investing your energy this whole time? What is your forward momentum looking like? And is this path going to get you where you want? You may be able to take some of the effort and work you've built before and use that to get where you're going. So you've looked at your priorities. You've decided what you really want to change, what it needs to actually be changed in the situation. You've considered what resources you have and the environmental factors that are there. You've decided what kind of work you're willing to put into this and what work of your past you can use. And now you're ready to move forward with that change. Well, how do you do it? First part of making those changes is setting identifiable, achievable goals. Now, I hate business psychology. I absolutely detest it for so many reasons that I won't get into. But there is something in the business psychology world that's called a SMART goal. And I do like this acronym and it stands for Specific, Measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. So all of these things are great things to have with a goal. So specific means that it is a very specific thing. It's not just a general concept of, I'm going to be respected in my field. You've actually decided, I would like to make X amount more money. I would like a career in this position. I would like this in my relationship. It's a very specific thing. The next great thing about this is it's measurable. One of the things that happens a lot with goals is we do come up with these quasi ideas of I want to be happier or I want to be more balanced. And that's generally great for motivation and movement and direction, but it's not going to really help you know whether or not you're getting there because how do you say yes I'm more balanced yes I'm more psychologically healthy how do you actually measure that that can be things such as I cry less often I have less breakdowns or tantrums all of those things are things you can point to and measure and say look I am making progress towards this goal it's also important like we've said before that it's achievable if you decide that you want to be 98 pounds and you're big boned and you're genetic healthily are placing you at the 200 pound range, then 90 pounds is not an achievable goal. So you really need to think, is this actually something I can achieve so that you're putting in work towards something that can happen? Relevant, like we said, it needs to be relevant to those priorities in your life, what you're trying to get. And if at all possible, time bound. And time bound means I want to do this by the end of the month, by the end of the year, by the time I'm 35 or by the time I'm 60. It doesn't have to be time bound, but giving you that deadline, so to speak, can help motivate you towards that. But when it comes to that, I will say with the deadline, don't be rigid 
and black and white with that. And that's going to be difficult for a lot of us out there, I know, especially for me. But we get that idea, well, I need to have this done by July 14th. And July 14th comes and it's not done and we feel like a failure. The deadline is always movable. It's always dependent on what's going on. So the idea of time bound is just to help you keep a general concept of yourself moving so it doesn't just get shoved to the side. And then once you've got that smart goal, part of that is breaking it down into concrete, achievable steps. And so the goal is this big thing. It's this big thing. I want to be a psychologist. I want to be in a happy, positive, loving relationship where I feel safe. That's this big idea. Big ideas aren't usually achievable. That's like just trying to get the top of a mountain by jumping. We're not fleas. We don't have the capability of that kind of jump. So we need to take steps after step after step. So you break the big thing into the little thing and you take tiny little steps. Now, once you have set up this goal and you've broken it down into bite-sized steps that you can actually adhere to, what comes next? Well, you kind of need to know what you're doing. And that means you've got to gather knowledge and resources and information so that you can make the changes that you want to make. I mentioned earlier in the episode that one of the things that has never changed about me is my desire to have a good, healthy, loving, lasting relationship. That's a great goal. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, though, for me to be like, that's what I want. It'll just happen, right? Because I want it. I'm manifesting it. So it's just going to happen because I want it to. And I'm thinking real hard about it. No, if I want that, I have to work at it. I have to figure out what things would get in my way. That's an important thing to know too. What things might get in my way? Hmm, my detrimental coping mechanisms that protected me at one point, but are now not so helpful. Okay, I need to work on developing healthier coping skills. I'm not real great at communication, should probably work on that. All right, and I don't really know what a healthy relationship looks like because I've never seen one. So I bought a lot of books and I started seeing a counselor and I started learning, okay, what things were not healthy about the way I was approaching relationships in terms of my perspectives and my behaviors and how I interacted with my partner. All right. Those things are not healthy. Okay. What is healthy? Figured that out. Started working on that. I broke it down into achievable goals, but I had to know what was off what was not working. I had to know what I was striving toward. I had to know what healthy looked like. I needed to figure out what a good partner for me would look like, what would be a good match. Those are all things that I needed to figure out. And the only way for me to figure out all of those things was to do some self-reflection and turn to valuable information, reading those books, talking to my therapist, looking for couples that I knew that did have healthy, lasting relationships, and asking them questions about what is working for you? How have you made it this long together? You still enjoy each other's company. What's the most important thing that you've learned about relationships over time? That's a huge, important thing about actually achieving your goals. If you don't know how to get there, you don't have a roadmap, you don't have any guidance, you don't have any signposts, how are you ever going to achieve that goal? You have to go out and get information. You have to go to valuable resources and you have to know what things are going to get in your way, either in your environment or within yourself. What things might you potentially do just without thinking that could actually end up being an obstacle for you? Whether the change is big or little, 
It's also going to be very important to keep yourself motivated. That can be kind of hard to do, especially if you're talking about a huge change. Like Ivy's talking about getting a healthy, long-lasting relationship. That's that's a lifelong goal. That's being motivated for a very long time. Sometimes it's something simpler. Like I want to do 20 minutes of exercise twice a week. It's a little simpler, but you still need to keep yourself motivated to make that change because it is different. And most of us, our minds tend to want to stay in that rut and we want to go back to those old neural pathways. And so we're actually actively fighting to try to build this new routine, to try to build these new coping skills, these new ideas, to create these changes in our lives. So it's important to keep yourself motivated. And one of the ways to do that is just reward yourself regularly. Acknowledge your progress. Like we said, when we were setting up that goal, part of that is measurable. And part of the reason you want that goal to be measurable is not just so you know, hey, look, I achieved it. It's also you can say, look, I'm achieving it. Look at I've made progress. Look at how I'm doing. Look at all of the changes I've already made. I've done this for three weeks now, or I'm now using this less and there's less frequency. I can measure it and I can reward myself for the progress that I'm making. Now, when you are looking at rewarding yourself and you're trying to acknowledge your progress and you're really looking at how you're making these changes and how far you're coming, it's really important not to compare your progress to other people's progress. It's important not to compare how you change with how other people change. Autumn and I have (laughs) talked back and forth throughout the episode about how we're very different when it comes to change. I am a super change-driven person. It is a way of life for me. That is what helps me thrive. It's what helps me feel more empowered in my life and to feel like I have more control over my life. Autumn struggles with change quite a bit more. It's kind of a big scary monster for her and a lot of her changes have been trying to run away from something. Autumn cannot realistically compare the way that she approaches change to how I approach change. And and I know because she's told me this before that she doesn't understand really how I do it and it looks easy. I make it look easy. And that can be frustrating when you're trying to change and you're trying to form a new habit or you're trying to achieve this goal. And it looks like other people are just flying past you and they're doing it so much better. They're making it look so easy. That can be really frustrating. As change driven as I am, there's still people that I look at and I'm like, damn, that person has their shit way more together than I do. They're making their goals happen so much faster than I am. They're so much more organized about it than I am. Why are we comparing ourselves to other people? What good does that do? What good does it do for Autumn to compare how she changes and the progress that she makes with mine? What good does it do for me to compare my progress with that of somebody else? And it's also unfair for us to make those comparisons because fact of the matter is, we don't actually know what's going on with that other person. Because there have been times when, and not just Autumn has told me, but other people have told me that I make it look so easy. And in my head, I am floundering. I am struggling so hard. But what is a struggle to me looks different to people from the outside. Because like most other neurodivergent people, I mask. I'm sure I do make change look easy to a lot of people. That doesn't mean that it actually is. And it doesn't mean that I'm always happy with where I'm at in my progress. It doesn't mean that I don't have moments where I feel envious of other people and how far they're moving forward towards their goals, especially if they have the same kind of goal that I do. We're all susceptible to making those comparisons, but it doesn't do any of us a lick of good. Not one bit. You can only be 
accountable to yourself and responsible for yourself and any progress that you make towards a goal that is valuable and precious to you, that is cause for celebration. And it does not matter what anybody else is doing. And it doesn't matter how other people perceive your progress and changes. We're all human and we're all struggling in our own way. Some things are easier for other people than they are for us. And some things are easier for us than they are for other people. Making those comparisons won't help them. It won't help you. Comparing yourself to other people isn't gonna do anything. All it's gonna do is dishearten you and leave you feeling disillusioned and disappointed. Everybody's got their bad days. And for every successful person that you're looking at thinking, oh, I wish I could be like them, that person is looking at other people and thinking, oh, I wish I could be like them. Which is why it's so important to focus on your progress and where you have made changes in achievement. And even that can sometimes get disheartening because there's this myth out here that once we start making changes or we get on this healing journey that we're always healing and we're always changing, we're always growing. And that's just, that's not how life works. It's not how humans work, especially if we have mental health struggles. None of us have the resources to change and grow 100% of the time. We need times of rest. And so there will be times, especially for large life changes, that you don't see a lot of progress and you start to feel disheartened heartened. So it's really important though to keep that goal in mind because it can be easy to lose track of what you're doing or to get frustrated that you're not getting there faster and you want to give up. Or sometimes you just get lost in the weeds and you go on a tangent that you didn't need to go on in pursuit of the goal and you're like, well shit, I just wasted a bunch of resources on something that wasn't relevant. So try to remember what that specific goal was and keep it in mind in whatever way is relevant to you, whether that's journaling or a vision board, whatever might help keep that goal in your mind so that you're like, yes, this is what I'm focused on. This is what I'm working at. Little by little, I'm going to get there. And do allow yourself to dream about when you do get there, what it's going to be like. Because sometimes we need something more than just our progress and seeing where we've been. We also need to say where we're going and why we're getting there. Allow yourself to daydream and think about the tangible things of when you accomplish this goal and when you've made that progress on your journey. And these things are going to help keep you motivated so that you can keep making those changes until they're not changes anymore. They're just part of what life is. I do want to make a note when it comes to allowing yourself to daydream and just how important that is. When I was really little, I was quite the dreamer and the romantic and had a vivid imagination. And I was just always off in my own world. But I experienced a lot of flack for that as a child, for not being practical enough, for not being logical enough, for, you know, that's th those aren't realistic goals. You're such a dreamer. That could never happen. You need to be more realistic. You need to be more logical. For a, a long time, I really tried to be that. And I really tried to be purely logical and analytical. And to be perfectly honest, made it harder for me to stay motivated towards my goals because it was just all in my head. It was just a dry process of step after step after step. Okay, I do this thing and then I have to do that thing and then I need to go back to my outline and figure out exactly if I'm still on track. And it just became very dry and it made the goal not even feel worth it to me anymore. Now, because I, I did catch so much flack for being a daydreamer when I was a kid, it, my daydreaming went underground. Most people in my life now think of me as being very pragmatic and realistic and logical, but there is still that part of me that daydreams vividly 
about what it is that I want my life to be. And as I've gotten older, I've recognized how important that is because it's in those daydreams when you're letting your mind wander and you're trying to imagine what your life would be like when you achieve that goal. That's what stops it from being so dry because it's not just in your head. People say that it is. It's not. It is possible to have your feet on the ground and your head in the clouds at the same time. You can be logical and realistic and practical, but you can still spend your time daydreaming as well and imagining those things and longing for those things because that's where the heart is. That's where you feel what that reality would be like for you. Because if all you're doing is just going through a checklist and you're doing everything in a very orderly, organized fashion, and you're only thinking about things logically, you lose the heart. You, you lose that feeling of what you're striving for. It's only in those daydreams where we can imagine, even if it's just for a brief moment, what it would be like if we actually had that, if we had that lasting loving relationship, if we had that financial stability, if we had that career that we always wanted, if we had those kids, if we got to go on that vacation. It's when we daydream that we get to feel those things and it's not just this dry idea in our heads. Daydreaming, regardless of what anybody may say, Daydreaming is actually a very, very important part of moving towards your goals. Yes, you have to take practical steps, but if you stop dreaming, what's even the point of accomplishing that goal at all? Which also points out that it's important when you're staying motivated to use motivational tools that work for you to keep you on track. And as we wrap up today's episode, we just want to remind everybody that the new year did not necessitate a new you. I'm sure you're pretty awesome just as you are. I'm sure there's a ton of things that you could change. There's tons of things all of us could change. There's all sorts of things about ourselves and our environment and our relationship that we could change and would make things better. But those are just things. They're not us. You're fucking awesome. You're doing great. Keep it up. Just because January 1st has rolled around does not mean you need to change who you are. We will go ahead and wrap up for today and I will throw this over to Ivy so that you can get all of our connecty bits. You can find us at our website, www.differentfunctional.com. We are on Facebook as Different Functional. We are on Instagram and TikTok as Different underscore Functional. You can find us on Patreon as Different Functional. You can email us at differentfunctional at gmail.com. We also have merch now on TeePublic. And if you want to check that out, go to our website and there will be a link there to our storefront. I do believe that is all of the ways to get in touch with us. And we hope that you will, because we would love to hear from you. We really want to know who you guys are. We would love to interact more with you. It would be great if we got to know you guys a little bit more. And if you like us, which I'm guessing you do, because you're still here, even at the dry end of an episode, then it'd be sweet if you could rate, review, subscribe, follow, leave us a comment, post something on our social media. We're down for whatever. We like you. We hope you like us. We hope you'll let us know that you like us. And we hope that you'll let other people know that you like us too, so that maybe they can decide that they like us as well. We like being liked, apparently. Very like being liked. 
And also don't forget, we do have that priorities worksheet available, differentfunctional.com slash products. We also have some other stuff out there. So check that out. We thank you very, very much for listening. And we hope that you do have a happy new year, even though Ivy and I don't really consider this the new year yet, but whatever. And as always, remember, different does not mean defective. My